And welcome back to Where Leaders Connect, a Corporate Connections podcast, where every week we like to sit down with one of the men and women that make up Corporate Connections membership and find out what makes them unique and what makes them tick and what's their superpower. Today, I am joined by my co-host and good friend, Heather Arthur. Heather, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Trevor. So excited to be here. And I love that we're talking about superpowers today, but we've got an amazing guest. So tell us who is with us today. You know, starting with superpowers, we were just chatting before we started recording uh, with today's guest, and and he was mentioning about superpower and being asked at a convention last weekend. So we're going to start there. Today's guest is one of our Montreal Two members, Michael Bellows, who has been with us for a number of years now. And uh, when he first started one of the smaller companies and with incredible startup growth is now uh, in the top 30 fastest growing companies in Canada and uh, and really paving the way for a new generation of entrepreneurs. So without further ado, uh, Mr. Michael Bellows, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Much appreciated. So we met, oh man, I, I guess about three years ago, this coming fall, and, and you had just started your business, Go Materials. Yeah. And I think there was two or three of you, maybe four employees total, and you had just launched that. But prior to that, you had just left a, a pretty good position uh, in corporate world. Yeah. You were with PepsiCo, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's correct. That's correct. I was there for uh, just about, uh, I think it was about seven years in their uh, in a leadership uh, development program. So I got to experience a, a variety of, of roles in a pretty uh, short period of time. So it was kind of fast pass, uh, fast track learning, if you will. And what was the impetus to take that seven years and kind of jump from the safety and security of a, obviously a very large company and jump into being an entrepreneur? Yeah, th- there is definitely some overlap. I, I think there's about a, about a year and a half of, uh, of PepsiCo kind of, uh, eight to five and, and go materials nights, mornings and weekends, right? So there was, well, there was some overlap, which was, uh, which was an interesting, uh, period of time from a sleeping, uh, sleeping perspective. Uh, but then kind of minimize a little bit of risk because they're, you know, I mean, getting through that, uh, proof of concept phase and, you know, I mean, first, second, third, 20, customers was already kind of done um but it definitely uh didn't come without a few a uh, few sweat and tears along the way michael tell us about go materials so what does your company do what do they stand for so go materials is, is revolutionizing the way landscape contractors buy materials right so this industry uh is extremely archaic right it's known to be about 12 to 15 years behind the average industry from a technological innovation standpoint. So what I always like to say is, remember in 2007 when Apple released the first iPhone, iPhone 1, right? So that was about 13 or 14 years ago. So this entire industry is at that inflection point, right? So when we look at early adopters and followers and all that, so think of everything that Apple has done since iPhone 1, right? Apple Home, watches, tablets, like you go into the store and it's, it's bananas what's, what's available, right? So the entire space, uh, that Go Materials is, is playing in right now is there from an innovation standpoint. So it's really, really exciting, uh, to be a part of the beginning of, uh, a revolution of an entire industry. That's pretty amazing. And, um, and it's not just obviously a Montreal based company. Uh, you've gone international in the last couple of years and focused, uh, quite a bit in the southern part of the U.S. Yeah. So, uh, as, uh, as mentioned, started in, in Montreal, Quebec and, and, and now are across, uh, 
most of Eastern uh, Canada, and um, and now we operate in New York, uh, New Jersey, Florida, Texas, California, Georgia, the Carolinas. So we've opened up quite a quite a few states in the in the past three years. And how big is your team? Uh, now we are. Uh, it's changing all the time, <laughs> so I lose track. But uh, we're about uh, about forty. 40, uh, wow. 40 right now. Yeah. That's fantastic. The growth is, is matching, but I have a question for you. So, you know, you talked about where, where your company's at, that inflection point, that, that moment of change. How do you create the vision for your team that they're actually part of creating what's going to be known as something new in the world? Yeah, it's, it's not easy, right? And 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 sometimes we lose track of it because you're, you're balancing as leaders of these fast-growing companies. You're you're balancing the in the business and on the business, right? And in the business meaning you mean day to day execution, keeping customers happy, developing new supplier relationships, right? Uh, working on their two week sprints from a technology standpoint. Um, and then really working on the business is when you're looking, I mean, past that year mark and looking towards that three, five, 20 year mark, right? Um, so it takes a lot of discipline. And I, I would say, you know what I mean? It's so easy to focus on that day to day, but, uh, really what we kind of pride ourselves on. And, and I'm not saying in any shape, way, or form that we are experts in it. We are still working on this every day, but is making sure we take a step back and, and realign what is our mission? What is our vision? What are our core values? And how are we making sure those are being, I mean, infiltrated and injected into, I mean, the entirety uh, of our business? What I was going to ask what some of the assumptions that have been challenged for you as a leader that maybe that you made leaving PepsiCo and, and when there's four of you to now that you're like, whoa, that was, I was, I was kind of wrong about that assumption. So. PepsiCo is, I think now it's probably close to like a $70 billion company that has their products being sold in over 200 countries in the world, right? It is a huge very well oiled uh, machine, right? Um, and, and I would say that's probably one of my biggest learnings and, and takeaways in bringing that to the startup world is really, you know what I mean, the, the process side uh, of, of it. And that, that process side is from, you know I mean, not just you know I mean, operationally, right, get m- making, moving, and marketing products, but also from, you know I mean, a human resource standpoint, how are you making sure you're retaining and developing and, and engaging uh, team members? So it's the, the, I would say, the thing that I had the most trouble with uh, at the early stages is the balance between the creativity, letting people do anything they want and, and, and going, I mean, full scope versus, okay, well, we, we have a process, we have a system, we have to follow it. So how do you make sure you have those two things? Because as a startup too, you know what I mean? You're not set in your ways and you don't have 50 years of uh, brainwashing and 50 years of experience. So how do you encourage innovation consistently, but at the same time being laser focus on efficiency and productivity and, and, and driving alignment within the entire company. Right. So there's that continuous balance that uh, we're still figuring out what the, uh, what the perfect balance of it is. Michael, you have touched on a point that many entrepreneurs have the same challenge of how do we activate creativity in everyone, but also keep costs at a minimum and efficiency, like you said. How do you find the talent that can fit into that uh, creativity mold and also efficiency? What's your process for finding that right person? Do not hire for skill. Hire for fit. 
hire for, uh, I mean, how they're going to fit with your purpose and, 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 and vision, right? Skills important, but it shouldn't be the deal breaker. People can learn anything when they're self-motivated, the tools that are available online. If they're passionate and engaged in, in what they're doing, they will teach themselves, uh, the skills, but changing someone's natural behavior and, and changing their values, uh, is, is not possible, right? Or it's very, very, very difficult. And over the long term, extremely expensive, right? So that, that those things cost, you know, I mean, changing culture is, it's almost impossible to do. And you can think of it when you have to do that, it's, it's, it's what the, the amount you have to put in from a dollar standpoint is, is crazy. So making sure that it's the right fit for, for what you're doing and they really get it is, uh, is crucial, right? Especially in this job market today. Uh, you know, I mean, it is, it is really difficult to, uh, to hire like-minded individuals, especially at the pace that they're getting hired elsewhere at. So, you know, I mean, we've had to revamp our whole recruitment process from, you know, I mean, five interviews, a case analysis and all this stuff. Now it's two, they're short, they're quick. They need to be within 72 hours of each other or else in this, in this new market, you're going to lose top tier ca uh, candidates and top tier talent. Michael, you went from five interviews to two, 72 hours, really good steps. But how do you know? Like what, what do you use as your tool to know that this is the right fit for the person? Yeah. So there's a, there's a few things. And, and, and I think this is such an interesting topic, right? Because, you know, I mean, when you look at like uh, the sales team in an organization, right? It's like, well, are they hitting their numbers or are they not hitting their numbers? When you look at an, uh, an operation team, it's like, are they, are they hitting their productivity and efficiency targets or they're not? It's, it's pretty black and white. But when it comes to people, right? It's this whole new qualitative game, right? That's, it, it's pretty difficult to measure. Uh, so one thing, honestly, that we live by is a, is a, as a, as a tool, basically a psychometric assessment, um, that we use in the process. And it's basically, uh, it's called admin and, and it really just goes a, a level deeper to try to understand the person. And for us, it's, you know, I mean, there's no right or wrong answers, but you're able to kind of get this new level of, uh, of insight to them. And then we provide them their assessments afterwards and they can take a look at it. But I would say for us internally, from a recruitment standpoint, and you know, I mean, leveraging technology, right? Like this is technology is, is using artificial intelligence to, to, to understand uh, human behavior, right? Which is something that's it's not easy to understand. So, uh, we use that. And then, and then, um, we also use it internally afterwards. So once people are hired, we use it as a tool, uh, for personal development and career development. Amazing. And a little bit of gut and a little bit of gut. I'll add, you know what I mean? That's the end of the day and you, your internal compass is telling you that's the person and you can't necessarily put words to why doesn't matter. You, you gotta, you gotta trust that, you know what I mean? In, in, in internal feeling. And, and you know I mean, I would say, uh, my batting average is, is, isn't bad with that. So I'll, uh, I've learned to trust it. <laughs> it almost, almost sounds like a superpower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know I mean, just getting a, a little sixth sense for people is, uh, is, I would say is a pretty, uh, pretty important skill to have, especially when you're, uh, scaling a, a startup here. How, well, how much time do you get to still spend as you've grown, um, kind of boots on the ground dealing with the people of the company and how much time then gets sucked up by kind of, the admin of building and financing and growing a business. Yeah, it's not easy, right? And I would say, I mean, we've we've uh, we've been involved in financing really recently, and that obviously occupies a huge amount of time. Uh, so naturally, you're going to be a little bit more distant. But I think it all comes back to what we're talking about as people, right? Because if you've hired other good leaders. 
then they're naturally going to have the instincts to step up. Right. And I think that's one thing when I look back over the craziness of the last, you know, I mean, 90 days, the last quarter, uh, I'm really proud of, you know, I mean, since I had been doing other initiatives with the company, um, watching some people without necessarily clear direction as well. Right. That they, they just, I mean, picked up the shovel and started digging because they, they knew they had to. Right. So I think that is something that's really cool that I, that I've seen quite a bit over the last little while, which, uh, uh I'm, I'm pretty proud of from an, uh, a company standpoint. That's beautiful. I think that goes back to that gut feeling, knowing do they fit in? Do they, will they live your core values and not because they're on the wall at the company headquarters, but because it's in, in people and, you know, anyone in recruitment would be like gut feelings needs to be substantiated. Is there a question that you ask yourself or ask the candidates as you're recruiting or even your leadership team on a regular basis that keeps them activated to living to the values and your North star? I would say for me, one, one really good important thing is, is as we are continuously improving and as we are continuously innovating, understanding levels of coachability, of that person, regardless if they have one year of experience or they have 30 years of experience, right? People that are lifelong learners are people you want in your company, right? So when, when you, you know, I mean, even if I don't agree with it and you, and you challenge something on their, their, their school of thought or the way they've done something in an interview in the, in the case portion, let's say. So you want people who are going to be open-minded to it and not, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, when you challenge something, it's not because the idea is wrong or the person is wrong. It's that, through challenging, you, know, you will come to a better solution. Regardless of the solution was already a nine on 10, right? Then through challenging, you'll get to a 9.5 or a 10, right? And even if the solution was a five, you'll get to a seven. So that, that's, that's a really tough uh, kind of component of, uh, of people that, it's, that I, I really look for. And it's really, are they coachable? And are they, you know what I mean, take themselves out of it, remove them, remove the me and think about the we. I love that. And I have another question. How do you demonstrate that you're coachable as a behavior to activate that in everyone else around you? I think as leaders, one thing that's really important that we have to do it to reinforce that is admit when we're wrong and not create a vibe of disappointment around it. Right. If I, if I shrug my shoulders and say like, shit, like I was wrong and uh, like I'm so mad, like you get really down on myself, then all I'm showing is that you need to be disappointed when you don't have the best idea or you need to be upset when your your solution wasn't chosen, right? But if I if someone challenges me to something I say and then makes it better and I, I, I have a positive reaction from that, which is like, I mean, oh yes, that's 10 times better, that's perfect, let's go that direction, right? Just... Uh, your reaction and your attitude towards mistakes and towards failures will then open up the door for others to be okay with it from a psychological safety standpoint. And I think if we're able to do that, um, then people will be more comfortable with it. And then at the end of the day, if they're more comfortable with it, they're going to suggest things more often. If they suggest things more often, then you're going to have more good ideas. And then at the end of the day, you're just going to have a better, stronger, faster company, right? So why wouldn't you want that? Michael, so many leaders miss out on that lesson. That is your superpower. And it is, 
it creates a sense of belonging and people feel valued. And I want you to know that this is a superpower that you have and keep playing to it. Cause it just, it gets me excited to, you know, be with your company. If I was an employee to stay, to be innovative and you're activating that over and over again. So bravo on that. I make mistakes all the time, all the time. So we all. <laughs> That's amazing, Michael. That's, I think it's also even just good life experience or life uh, advice, you know, for, for even parents, you know, in terms of our kids learn from, you know, obviously parents, we make mistakes, but how we handle that and do we get down on ourselves? Do we get angry? Do we, you know, do we throw the pan when we, when we burn the toast and, you know, how do we teach people how to handle adversity or, or errors? Um, and I think that reframing that outlook is, is to be like, okay, great. Made a mistake. Let's move on. Let's, let's learn from it and do that. It just, it's such a different vibe than, you know, being down on oneself or kicking totally. oneself in the butt. And it's, yeah. And it's okay to be frustrated and, you know, I mean, disappointed, but it's, what's, what's not okay is what happens next. Right. If it, if the, if the, if a stop sign and it turns like, I mean, the red light stops there and the engine goes off, like, no, like, okay, stop signs, red lights, they're fine. As long as they turn green again and you keep on moving forward. Right. Like that's, that's the end result. Right. So I think that's the, what's the most important takeaway of, of this is for sure. What's one thing now, now that you've been doing this for a couple of years, what's one thing that you would have loved to have known three years ago that you've learned, um, either the learn one way or the hard way. I don't want to make it kind of, I don't want to frame it as a regret thing, but like, what's one thing that if you, if you could have, um, learned sooner, you would have. That 80% is the new perfect. So, you know I mean, uh, there's a, there's a timing, um, theory where, you know what I mean? If it takes X hours to go from 0% done to 80% done, it takes X hours again to get from 80 to a hundred. So that last, you know I mean? 20% is actually at some points and depending on the task, depending on the project, depending on what it is, right? Sometimes it's necessary that it's hundred percent perfect, right? But sometimes it's not, right? And I think recognizing when something is not a priority does not need perfection so that you're not wasting the incremental 80 to hundred hours because it would take you just as long to go from zero to 80. Right. So I think understanding that and being able to be as self-aware to yourself and self-aware to your business uh, to understand what does need that perfection and what can, uh, what, what is acceptable at, at, at less than that. Right. So I think those are two important things because if you're trying to do everything at hundred all the time, you are going to get very, very tired, very, very fast. I love that. Done is better than perfect. And you can always increment on done, but you can't increment on taking no action at all. So take yeah. those first steps. It's a, it's a life lesson in business and it's a life lesson for all of us as leaders is what, what are we striving for as the end game? And maybe there isn't an end game. We're always striving for that next level of success. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, we're running out of time today. And, and again, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. And, and if people are interested, they can find your company at gomaterials.com. That's it. That's correct. Geomaterials.com. Geomaterials.com. And I'm assuming um, great connections for you, cities, but also uh, contractors, and then the people who produce the materials. So uh, landscape yep. um, or... or uh, plant companies, uh, florists, yep. things like that. Nurseries. Nurseries. Nurseries That's the word growers, I was looking for. Yep. Yep. Beautiful. And any big city you're trying to get into right now? 
And so we, we've launched our kind of current uh, states for the year. So now it's all about uh, depth and, and gaining market shares in those. So, I mean, we're big focus on California, Georgia, and both uh, North and South Carolina right now. So that's kind of our, what we're, we're, we're zooming in on. Beautiful. Well, thank you again, Michael. And as always, Heather, thank you so much for joining me today. Some of my big takeaways, uh, obviously, hire for fit and not for skill, uh, as well as uh, I think that uh, get it done uh, and then iterate or improve, but uh, don't wait for perfect on that aspect. So once again, Michael, thank you, Heather. Thank you and to everyone listening today who joined us as well. Thank you for being here. Looking forward to see you in the next podcast. This is where leaders connect. Mm-hmm.